Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, Mark Kleinert. He is the business unit director for U.S. Sports and Motorsports for Adidas America. We're going to step into the technology lab with Mark and discuss Adidas's new line of racing gear and fan gear for NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Jr. From the unique Climacool technology Adidas uses on Junior's racing suit to the increased sales of Junior's new Adidas merchandise, we'll cover a variety of topics with Mark Kleinert from Adidas in segment three. In segment four, SportsSense, Frank McCourt. He is the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Since McCourt joined us last August, he's been one of the busiest owners in all of Major League Baseball. McCourt and his Dodgers have organized a charity game at the Los Angeles Coliseum this weekend between the Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox. The game is expected to draw over 115,000 people, and proceeds from the game will benefit the charity McCourt founded with the City of Hope. It's called Thank Cure, and millions of dollars will be raised for cancer research. In addition to McCourt's charitable efforts, he hired high-profile manager Joe Torrey this offseason and recently returned from the Dodgers' trip to China where the team played the San Diego Padres. Lots to discuss with Los Angeles Dodgers owner Frank McCourt. We'll do that in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, looking forward to having Dodgers owner Frank McCourt on this show. He's a fascinating owner, and the Dodgers have been one of the busiest teams in baseball this offseason. He's been doing some great things. I mean, the iconic stadium that is the Coliseum, they're playing a baseball game there. How cool is that? 115,000 people. Got to be one of the biggest games in the history of the sport. Well, and I like what McCourt has done with the Dodgers since he took over. This is his fifth year of ownership. Remember, Rupert Murdoch owned the team before. He made them very corporate. He went away from the O'Malley style of owning the team. It was always a family sense to the team. Uh, He signed free agents. He went away from the farm system. Really, McCourt has come back to the family style of ownership, and I like that. We'll also talk about the state of Major League Baseball in general and the health of the game with Frank McCourt. We've got lots of headlines coming up. We're going to tell you about March Madness ratings, TV ratings. Not so great, but March Madness on demand through the roof. Lots of headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, CBS's coverage of the NCAA men's basketball tournament last weekend averaged a 4.8 national rating. That's down about 9.4% from last year's comparable window. But Nathan, CBS March Madness On Demand, the online video product that lets us watch all these games, they drew 3.3 million unique daily visitors through last Sunday. That's up 129%. The moral of this story is that while viewership on TV is down, Lots more people are watching online. Well, you know, I would love to see what the numbers were for the amount of people that called in sick last year and years past to this year because now people realize they can watch it at work and they're no longer staying home. So that would be an interesting stat. You know, the frustrating thing for me, and I'm sure a lot of people felt this, is if you don't have a super fast internet connection or your server's overloaded, it's basically pointless to watch it. You might as well watch the scoreboard roll. A few other tidbits here. Over 2 million times the boss button was hit during the first weekend of viewing. And the other thing that's new this year is it used to be after the Sweet 16, you couldn't watch the rest of the tournament online. This year, you can watch all the way through, through the championship game. Our next headline, the Boston Red Sox, the Oakland A's, they concluded their season opening two-game series in Japan on Wednesday. They averaged about 44,000 people for these games, Nathan, and Overall, it was a pretty good success. Good turnout by the Japanese crowd. Major League Baseball, which is obviously trying to expose their brand in the Asian market, China with the Dodgers in San Diego a few weeks ago, now with this series, good response. Oh, yeah, and I think that there's only one place to go, is it, and that's up in Asia as far as baseball is concerned. There's such a huge market there for it, especially with all the transplants coming over to play Major League Baseball in the United States. I just think that there's endless possibilities. Now, the Red Sox are going to travel 31,000 miles. They're going to play baseball in three countries before they play a home game. So a lot of travel for the Red Sox to start this season. Speaking of baseball, our next headline. The D.C. Nationals open their new ballpark, Nationals Park, This upcoming Sunday, estimates indicate the Nationals are expected to boost revenue by as much as $50 million. Ticket prices are about 20% higher than for the 2000 season at RFK Stadium. And recent trends with new Major League Baseball ballparks suggest that attendance at Nationals games could increase from 24,000 a game last year to between 30 and 35,000 this season. Lots of good sponsors signed up. So, Nathan, anytime you move into a new ballpark, the Yankees will do so next year. It's a real boost to your attendance. And RFK Stadium was such a dump that I think the people going to Nationals games this year are going to be very, very pleased with the experience. Well, absolutely. And the stadium is green. It's one of the first, I think, LEED-certified stadiums in the country. And I think a team like the Nationals needs to move into a new stadium really to, to get people to come to the games. The Yankees, the Red Sox, they're always going to sell out old stadium or new. One of the best promotions in all of sports, Geico sponsors the Racing President's characters. They do that in between innings. Very cool if you get a chance to check that out. Our next headline, Oklahoma City this week moved a major step closer to luring an NBA team after a who's who of state's business, civic, and government leaders wowed league owners, executives, and NBA commissioner David Stern. This looks, Nathan, like, you know, this is a done deal. This relocation committee now is going to get together and then the Board of Governors meeting on April 17th and 18th, the voters or the owners will vote if majority rules, then a relocation is approved and 
the uh, the Sonics, Sonics or the Hornets. I mean, but the Sonics are are the front runners for who's going to be moving here. And I don't think that this is really that big of a surprise. We've talked about this for months, and we all knew that this day would come, and now it's just about there. Yeah, I mean, the Sonics could have to stay in Seattle for the next two years if they lose their court battle with the city in June. But uh, Clay Bennett came out this week, the owner of the Sonics, and said if that happens, he will stay there for the next two years, be a lame duck franchise, and then he will move to Oklahoma City. Our last headline of the week, the NFL and NBC have agreed in principle to start the league September 4th season opener between the Super Bowl champion New York Giants and the Washington Redskins at 7 p.m. Eastern instead of the traditional 8.30 p.m. start time. That, so the game won't conflict, with presidential nominee John McCain's acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention. NBC's convention coverage is scheduled to start at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Back in 2000, the NFL agreed to an an ABC request to start a preseason game at 7 p.m. Eastern time instead of 8 p.m. to allow the Democratic National Convention coverage. This is a good game to start the season on NBC the Giants, the defending Super Bowl champs, the Redskins, two big markets. They're moving the time. I guess a lot of people will be watching the convention, so it makes sense to move this time. I guess, but I think that if I had the choice between football or the Republican National Convention, I'd probably go with football, and I'd imagine people will be flipping back and forth regardless. So it is a good move. They will save some viewership. Coming up next, Mark Kleinard from Adidas. He heads up their motorsports division. He works with NASCAR star Dale Earnhardt Jr. We're going to step into the technology lab. That's next on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Bringing you up to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the Technology Lab. My guest is Mark Kleinard. He's the business unit director for U.S. Sports and Motorsports for Adidas America. Mark, thanks so much for joining us this week. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So, Mark, a lot of people probably don't even realize that Adidas has a motorsports division. How long has this division been around? Well, we've uh, formerly been in existence for about a year. Uh, but the interesting thing is we have a real heritage in motorsports. It goes all the way back to the to our founder, Adi Dossler, back in the 40s. He sponsored the first Porsche Cup team in, in Germany. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and so uh, uh, Mario Andretti wore our products when he won several uh, – of the IndyCar races in the 70s, and it, it had, it, in fact, we have one particular shoe called a Monza that's still a cult favorite in Europe. Uh, drivers still consistently try to get that shoe from us, but uh, so far as what we're doing here in the States, it really got uh, together in earnest last February. 
And last February is when you established a partnership with Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's NASCAR's most popular driver. Mark, how did this partnership come about? How did it first form? Well, we had been thinking about how to apply our technologies to to this sport. We thought that there's a lot of room for opportunity to to apply what we do already and, and bring it into the to the cockpit of, of the car. And we we've heard through various contexts that Dale Jr. is an enormous uh, Adidas fan, and it it, it was natural. So uh, Dale Jr.'s sister, who is his agent uh, Kelly, and his marketing manager Thayer Laviel came out last February, and we started the conversations. And uh, you know, an interesting part about that, Brian, is we we had no idea at the time that they were uh, thinking about changing numbers, changing sponsors, and all of that. So it was really it was a great opportunity. Uh, to begin with, but when we started to hear some of the uh, the change in number, change in colors, that obviously created a huge uh, business impact that we didn't know about in the beginning. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We hear about, you know, guys like Kevin Garnett and David Beckham and Reggie Bush, but here's a NASCAR driver that you guys have under contract, and I would argue that Dale Earnhardt Jr. has as big of a following as any of your other athletes. Oh, yeah, and we think so as well. And, and the the fun part about it is is that when we first met with Dale Jr. Uh, to talk about product, he had so many product needs. And, and for, for all of us in the world of product, it was uh, it's fun to solve those problems. For example, when he when he's driving, the the pants leg on the on his on his right leg tends to ride up when he's driving. It's extraordinarily hot uh, next to the transmission tunnel. His suit bunches up when he sits in the seat, and so we're able to to solve problems like that for him and, again, bring our climacool technology to help him stay more alert and perform better in the car. And, you know, that's one thing that I've learned is how brutal the environment is that he has to operate in. So it's 140 degrees at times. So bringing climacool and helping him uh, stay more focused ultimately helps him perform better. And that's an exciting thing for for a brand like ours and for, for a group like ours to be involved in. Talk about Climacool and that technology for a moment, if you would. It's very innovative. Um, you use it on other products, but uh, can you talk about that for a moment? Sure. Yeah, we we have incorporated it into the back of his suit, so it works in conjunction with uh, his seat from Hendrick Motorsports. So uh, trying to create an airflow while still being uh, fireproof, which is obviously the number one uh, benefit that we have to provide Dale Jr. Sure. protection from fire. Right. But uh, we're working in a way to, to create systems to help uh, – keep his core body temperature cooler. And the, the real payoff for us is that in, in the history of, of NASCAR, fans have never been able to buy what the driver uses in car. So what we want fans to realize is that in a different, obviously, Climacool is a system and you can buy different parts of the system, but for the fan in the stands watching their favorite driver, that they can have the exact same technology that their driver has. And uh, that's a first ever option for the millions of NASCAR fans out there. Yeah, I mean, you've got the JR Nation fan gear, but I read, like you just mentioned, that you could buy Dale Jr.'s Adidas race suit if you want. Uh, how much would that cost you if you wanted to buy that? Uh, we're, we're still working out the, the retail price, but we we just uh, had a design review this, this week and working on 2009, and that's definitely a part of the uh, of the equation. So we're, we'll figure out the retail price on it, but it's exciting. We've, we've gotten tons of uh, requests for the suit, and... Um, Again, it's our hope of bringing some of the track, some of the things that happen at track out to the stands. That's something that we're, uh, we want to provide that option to the NASCAR fans out there. Joined by Mark Kleinert. He's the business unit director for U.S. Sports and Motorsports for Adidas 
America. Mark, let's talk about some of the different offerings with the JR Nation fan gear. Um, give us a sample of some of the different uh, pieces of merchandise that you're offering. Yeah, it, it stretches from uh, T-shirts, which we, most, I think 80% of our T-shirts have Clima, Clima Cool fabrics in them. So again, even at the basic T-shirt level, you're able to get the technology benefit that uh, a version of that that Dale Jr. uses in the car. All the way up to uh, $100 apparel pieces, uh, track jackets, those types of things. Uh, we're also going to have footwear for the first time in August this year, so you'll be able to to uh, to buy a, a takedown, a visual takedown of Dale Jr.'s driving shoe. That'll be out in, in August. That's very cool. And um, so, yeah, it's exciting. And then a, a really cool uh, element of this and that I think is something that we can have a lot of fun with is the kids' business. You, you think about... Uh, tons of uh, the NASCAR fan base are children. And so we're going to be able to, to provide an actual Climacool. Uh, it was based on a soccer uh, kit, but it's, it's, it's built out as a Dale Jr. piece that a kid can buy a short and a top made out of Climacool, uh, branded as Dale Jr. So very cool. And Dale Jr. played soccer in high school, so it's a, it's a very natural tie. It's something that, that fits with who he is. Very interesting. Now, I read where the sales of JR Nation fan gear have just going through the roof when you compare this year to last year. Obviously, he didn't have the relationship with you last year. He's got new color schemes this year. He's with a new team, so you would expect the merchandise sales to increase. But can you give us uh, some ideas to just how dramatically uh, the merchandise sales have increased from last year to this year? Sure. Yeah, it's it's really exceeded our expectations. Our, our lead partner with this concept is uh, the Sports Authority, and um, they've been great partners with this, and it really exceeded their expectations as well from a from a in-store sales uh, performance of what we did with the Daytona launch but we have uh, more activity around the Texas race and the Phoenix race coming up and uh, even beyond sales uh, one thing I'll, I'll share with you is he has really helped bring new fans to our brand uh, we ran a, a contest and still running a contest where fans can win a piece of Dale Jr. memorabilia we capture the information and of that information that we've gotten so far 90% of that are new consumers to Adidas. God, that's an amazing number, 90%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I'm, my feeling is they always had a sense of us from our activities with, with football, University of Tennessee, Notre Dame, Reggie Bush, uh, our involvement in baseball uh, and whatnot. But connecting with us through their favorite driver um, and actually visiting us on our website has been a, has been a really uh, great halo benefit, obviously, of signing an athlete of Dell Jr. stature. What, in your opinion, you know, give me the demographics on the typical NASCAR fan who's buying your merchandise. I, you know, I, it's something that we're still trying to get a handle on. We're obviously new to this, but we, the way we briefed it in is all the way from kids' business, from six-year-olds, uh, typically a little older than, than what we uh, would normally target. So the, the NASCAR fan base from, from the league itself they stretch all the way into the into the 50s and 60s. But I think, uh, from our standpoint, the way we've briefed it is really spanning the full spectrum of uh, age demographics. The financial demographics for the fans are are amazing, and you know we can NASCAR shares those pretty liberally. But the average household income is is very healthy on average for NASCAR fans. So uh, for us, it's it's respecting the NASCAR fan and, and giving them. Again, from a technology standpoint, the same thing their driver can get. And also uh, just treating them with uh, the respect of more places to shop. 
as well. So Sports Authority being a retail partner of ours, they typically wouldn't have that option, the fan wouldn't, to buy uh, the Dale Jr. product at a, at a store like that. Right. Mark, we've got a few minutes left. Talk to me about the marketing of the Adidas-Dale Earnhardt Jr. partnership. Can we expect any print or TV or radio advertising uh, anytime in the near future? Uh, we're still under consideration for that for 2009. We've, we've been uh, very on, involved on the ground with marketing for uh, our Daytona launch. We'll also have a launch in May and a launch in August of new products. So on the ground, we're going to be heavily involved in, in creating demand there. One interesting thing we've, we've done is a text-based uh, campaign where a consumer texts into us with, uh, with a Dale Jr. Uh, lead-in, and actually Dale Jr. calls back with uh, just saying, hey, check out my new uh, Dale Jr. Adidas gear. Dale's had a lot of fun wanting to do that and being involved in engaging his fans in that way. So it's a really innovative way that consumers know that we hear them and that we're giving them a chance to have something really special from from Dale Jr. back to them. Yeah, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's got a radio show, and uh, he's a pretty engaging guy, and I think that's one of the charming things that uh, fans like about him is he'll do things like that for his sponsors. Yeah, just a, a quick story. He, uh, The Nebraska equipment manager, we have a relationship with the University of Nebraska, and the equipment manager on his own sent a care package of uh, helmet and, and jersey and all of that from the uh, university just celebrating his addition to Adidas. So we were really excited that one of our uh, school partners would do that on their own. Dale Jr. received it, and within three weeks, I believe, he called the equipment manager himself to tell him thank you <laughs> thank you for the, for the Cornhusker gear, and he'll support uh, Nebraska for this season. And, you know, Dale Jr. is, is very busy. Uh, that's the thing that we've learned. His schedule is unbelievable with his commitments across the board. And the fact that he took time, to call one of our partners and say personally thank you for, for going out of the way. That was a, really showed what kind of person he is and shows why people love the guy. No, that's a great story. Mark, uh, just about a minute left. How long is Junior under contract for? You don't have to give me exact details, but, I mean, can we assume this is a long-term partnership? We're going to see him working with Adidas for the foreseeable future? Yes, yes. It's And the reason we see it going for the long term is he's he's a genuinely appreciates the brand and we genuinely appreciate him as well and so he's as he enters ownership status he already he already owns his uh, nationwide series team right he's he's very much uh, understands the long term and has a broader vision of things and yeah we we want to be partners uh, forever we'd love to 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 make this a, a long-standing agreement just because of his love for Adidas and our appreciation of uh what he does on track and off track. Well, and he's certainly an iconic athlete. How can people buy JR Nation fan gear? What's the best place to do that? Uh, Sports Authority uh, online with Sports Authority in store with uh, with Sports Authority as well, and then Adidas.com. That's uh, that's terrific, Mark. Thanks so much for taking time to join us this week on Sports Business Radio. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, 
hand-picked produce and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Frank McCourt. He is the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mr. McCourt, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us again. Hey, Brian, it's my pleasure. It's good to be with you again. So, you know, you joined us last August when you launched Think Cure, and Think Cure was established last year by Dodgers Ownership, the City of Hope, and Children's Hospital Los Angeles as a community project to support cancer research and to quicken the pace of work being done to understand and cure cancer. Well, the Dodgers are celebrating 50 years since moving to Los Angeles from Brooklyn by hosting the Boston Red Sox on Saturday evening at L.A. Memorial Coliseum, where the team played from 1958 to 1961. The game is going to raise money for ThinkCure. Over 115,000 fans are expected to attend the game. Mr. McCord, it's a brilliant idea for a fundraiser. How did this game come about? Well, it came about in the course of conversations within the Dodger organization as to how, how were we going to celebrate this 50th anniversary, which is a you know, milestone for the Dodgers uh, uh, in L.A., and, and uh, it's, a, it, it, it's a big deal having this golden anniversary. So, you know, it, it, all last year people were kicking around different ideas, and the idea surfaced about playing a game at the Coliseum, which would, you know, allow the team to go home, uh, to its original home, that is, for, for, for a game, and, and, uh, and, and, and allow people to reflect uh, on the past 50 years and to have those that were there uh, at the Coliseum uh, relive the memory, and for those that have heard about it for so many years, experience uh, what a game would be like at the Coliseum. And it was a way for us to really talk about the 50 years. But we also wanted to think about the next 50 years, and that's where the charity comes in. And, and uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Back in uh, 1940s, uh, about 60 years ago, the Boston Braves, when my grandfather was an owner, Started something called the Jimmy Fund, right? And and uh, uh, when the Braves left for Milwaukee in 1953, uh, they played an exhibition game to raise funds for the Jimmy Fund and pass the baton uh, to their crosstown rivals, the Boston Red Sox. So back in '53, an exhibition was played uh, to raise money for a then fledgling charity called the Jimmy Fund. So roll the clock forward uh, to this year, our 50th. We thought it would be. Um, historical symmetry if we could play the Red Sox uh, in a game designed to raise money for a similar charity, but a, a West Coast version that, that we're calling Think Cure. So thankfully, the Red Sox were uh, amenable. Uh, Bud Selig and, and, uh, uh, and the commissioner's office were, were, were very helpful and flexible and, and, and supportive in making this happen. And then, uh, you know, and then it went right down the line, the Coliseum Commission embraced it, the city of L.A., the fire department, police department, et cetera, et cetera. And then also I, I should uh, uh, make sure I put kudos in for all the people that, that uh, in our stadium operations area and our ticketing area and marketing and so forth who embraced the idea because it is a big effort for a single game. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a memor- uh, just a memorable 
evening and day, as a matter of fact, because we're we're having a fan fest that starts at noon that's free for for everybody that has a ticket, and then we're going to open the gates uh, three hours before game time so that fans can come in and watch batting practice, which should be amusing as, as well and interesting because of that short left-field screen. Right, I've seen the pictures. It looks uh, like it's going to be an interesting uh, setup that day. It's, it's, it's very reminiscent of the situation there uh, 50 years ago, which was uh, um, uh, odd. Uh, but that's one thing that makes baseball interesting: are these odd dimensions in these uh, these old ballparks. And of course, this one was had odd dimensions because we were placing a a ballpark in the middle of a coliseum that was built for football and track and field at the time. And now it's pretty much football oriented. And and uh, 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 so the screen in left field that uh, Wally Moon used to hit those moon shots over will be uh, will reappear. And uh, Wally Moon will reappear, as will many of our. Um, players that played back in the 1958 to 1961 time frame. So, you know, just a, just one of those special, special days and evenings in L.A. where we get to celebrate both the past 50 years and also the next 50. Well, and thinkcure.org is the website for more information. And, Mr. McCourt, your family has been very generous. You've personally pledged to match up to $1 million to raise funds for Think Cure. How's the other fundraising efforts going since you launched this in August? It's it's been great. I mean, it, it people are just incredibly generous, and 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 cancer is something that touches everybody, and and uh, in one way, shape, or form. I I don't think there's anybody who hasn't been touched in in a way by cancer, and and uh, it's a disease that that uh, whether or not uh, you you, you it, it afflicts you personally, it it afflicts you when it afflicts somebody else, and and uh, it's a disease that that affects families and and uh, and communities. So. The, the all of the experts, uh, you know, they tell me that that, uh, and they know far more than I do about this. I'm talking about the doctors and the scientists and the researchers. Tell me that cancer can be cured they're, they're, with with what's going on with the genome and what's going on with molecular biology and all the discoveries and all of the advance advancements of science. Uh, a cure is there. It's within our grasp, within our lifetime. And so, what we're trying to do with Think Cure is bring a focus on this, really, really bring energy to this topic, as so many other people are doing, by the way, and let's rally and let's, let's, let's figure out a way to nail this and find a cure for this disease and so that it's, it doesn't take lives. It's a chronic, it becomes a chronic disease which is manageable and uh, allows people to live long and productive lives. It's really wonderful work that you're doing. We're joined by Frank McCourt. He's the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right, Mr. McCourt, let's talk a little bit of baseball. It's been an interesting offseason for the Dodgers. Uh, One of the big things you did to make news, you hired Joe Torre. He's a fantastic manager. He's wonderful in the community. He's got his Safe at Home Foundation. Talk about what Joe Torre brings to the table for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He he immediately, immediately brings a... Uh, it personifies, let's say, the, everything we want for the Dodgers. Uh, he's a winner, uh, he's a leader, and, he, and he's a class individual. And that's what the Dodgers are all about, winning in the right way. Uh, when Joe became available, we, it was a no-brainer. We, we needed to move quickly, uh, hire him, bring him on board. Uh, thankfully, everything worked out. You know, Joe grew up in Brooklyn, he grew up a Dodger fan, he went to Ebbets Field, so he knows what this franchise is all about. He knows the possibilities. So immediately, by as soon as he put that cap on and donned and don that jersey, I think that er, er, everything 
uh, took a giant step forward. So we're very, very excited about it. I know the players I've interacted with them are very excited, and, and of course the fans um, uh, have embraced the move as well. And, and uh, uh, so it's, it's just a, a great step forward, that combined with some of the great free agents that we were able to, to uh, go out and, and, and find this offseason, like Corota and Jones and so on and so forth, and add that to our younger players who are a year older, and we were able to keep everybody in our organization this past year. So we have the depth that it's going to take to win and the depth that it's going to take to overcome injuries and, and the ups and downs of a, 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 of a season. So a lot of optimism in the air right now, but of course we have to go play the games. You know, I lived in Los Angeles. I went to school down there at Loyola Marymount, and I've seen that the battle for the entertainment dollar, it's as competitive in Los Angeles as it is anywhere in the country. And you've got the Angels, the Lakers, USC and UCLA. You've even got the beaches and and Disneyland to compete with. In addition to the hiring of Joe Torre, you've also added some real bright marketing minds to your front office staff in recent months. For people in our audience who don't live in Los Angeles, can you describe the type of market Los Angeles is and what are the main factors that people are considering when they're deciding how to spend their entertainment dollar? Well, it's the entertainment capital of the world, and, uh, and it's, it, it, it is that for a number of reasons, and uh, obviously that there's much entertainment that gets produced here and exported around the world, but there's also a lot of entertainment that, that is available here. Uh, it also happens to be one of the most beautiful parts of the world, which is why uh, so many people come to Southern California and stay. It's, uh, you know, I'm looking out the window. It's another gorgeous, gorgeous morning uh, here in L.A. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful day. So, um, and you're right, the, the, the sheer beauty of the place, the, the healthy lifestyle, the, you know, where people can get out and do things, the beaches and and add that to all of the different forms of entertainment, and there is a lot to do. But that said, um, there's nothing there's nothing else like the Dodgers in this community. The Dodgers are about family. The Dodgers are about community. The Dodgers are about history and tradition. And, you know, families come to Dodger Stadium in record numbers. More fans have come to watch the Dodgers play baseball than any other team in the history of sports. It's, uh, so there's a loyalty and a commitment to this franchise like uh, no other. So it's, it's very, very special, and we take that responsibility very seriously. We don't own the team. We're stewards of this franchise, and, and uh, we really, really have a keen interest in doing what's best for the fans. Uh, you know, the, for instance, the move of our spring training facility, as difficult a decision as that was after six decades in Dodgertown, to move the spring training to, uh, to the Glendale Phoenix area was all about the fans bringing spring, the spring training experience closer to our fans, and of course, evidence of, of um, or validation of that decision was occurred this past week when we barnstormed through Phoenix to sell out crowds wherever we went, and it was just a sea of blue. So, these fans are very, very dedicated to this franchise. They own it. They love it. They're 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 passionate about the franchise. And it's a little different than some of the other options that you refer to in L.A. because this is something that's 50 years. The city grew up and the team grew up together. You know, speaking of Dodger Town, I thought that you said goodbye with a lot of class, a lot of respect. And then, you know, you're a real estate guy, and I see where you may bring some of Dodger Town to Los Angeles. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, uh, L.A. is Dodger Town. And uh, that's the interesting thing, isn't it, that, that um, uh, we're not really leaving uh, Dodgertown. We're, we're, we're going to think of ways to, 
to make sure that Dodger Town is alive and well here in L.A. So uh, we're, we're right now in the process of, of polling our fans and, and, um, and, and asking them as many questions that we can about what do they want with their baseball experience. What would they like to see Dodger Stadium look like in three or four years? Um, you know, we have been doing work each offseason since we bought the franchise in 2004. Um, and it, we asked the fans early on when we, when we arrived, what, what are the things that we could do to make your experience better at Dodger Stadium? And I mean that question um, aside from winning. And, uh, and, and the answer we received was uh, fix the seats, uh, uh, fix the parking situation, mm-hmm. and shorten the concession lines and the weights at the, in, in the restroom facilities. And so a couple years ago, we replaced all the seats. This past off season, we, we made a huge strides in solving the parking issue, and we've done some more things this off season. And, uh, and, and this off season, we tackled the concourse, the field level concourse, completely widened it and, 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 and replaced everything on that concourse so we've doubled the um uh the number of concession stands and doubled the capacity in the restrooms so that we should theoretically cut the lines in half and uh, and so these are the types of things that we want to do to improve the experience i mean there'll be nearly four million fans out at dodger stadium this year and and uh, we want to make sure that the experience they have is great uh, um, you know, obviously, job number one is a winning franchise, a team worthy of the fan support on the field. But whether the team wins or not, we want to make sure that the families that come to Dodger Stadium have a great experience. We've got just a few minutes left. We're joined by Frank McCourt. He is the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mr. McCourt, you recently returned from a trip to China where the Dodgers played the San Diego Padres. I had the opportunity to go to China for the first time last September. I was really amazed at the economic growth, all the construction going on in that part of the world. Share with us your thoughts of China, if you would. A country on the move. Right. Sure. Uh, amazing place. Uh, I, I, I was very proud, by the way, to bring the Dodgers there and, and to play the first Major League Baseball games ever in that country. Right. Just another, uh, you know, another piece of the history of this great franchise, and you know, whether it was opening up Japan or Korea or Chinese Taipei or Latin America, the Dodgers have been first, breaking the color barrier, of course, with Jackie Robinson and so on and so forth. So it's really part of the, the, the DNA, so to speak, of this organization is to, is to break down barriers or maybe more positively build bridges to different communities because it's, it, it's baseball is about building community and it's the great aspect of the sport. I, I, I was incredibly incre- impressed with with, um, with the people in China. I, 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 I think we, we, we went to China with, with the idea of bringing the gift of baseball to the Chinese people. I think we all left with a bigger gift, which was um, uh, we were the beneficiaries of their warmth, uh, their generosity, and, and most importantly, their friendship. It, it's, it's an amazing place to see um, the Forbidden City, and the Great Wall, and all these uh, incredible icons that, that, that were built hundreds and hundreds of years ago, juxtaposed against the new CCTV building designed by Rem Koolhaas, or, or the um, Bird's Nest Olympic Stadium, uh, these very contemporary, contemporary designs that uh, are juxtaposed against these uh, old, uh, uh, old structures that we've seen pictures of when we were kids in our history books and right. so forth. It's just amazing. It's a country, as I said uh, initially, that's on the move. Uh, very, very interesting people, eager, eager to uh, to learn. They love um, uh, America, by the way, and 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 the things about 
uh, America. You know, it's a, it's a, a, I'll tell you just a little story. I, I, I was having some guests out here at, at, in L.A. at Dodger Stadium, touring the stadium, and one of the Chinese gentlemen saw the picture of Jackie Robinson, and he stopped, and he said, that's when I fell in love with baseball. Wow. Uh, he said that, that Jackie Robinson, being a Dodger, uh, and, and be, being able to follow his dream and, uh, and achieve the, the, the American dream, to him it wasn't so much a black American as it was, it was somebody who had a dream. And he said, if Jackie Robinson could do it, I could, my dream could come true as well. So I thought that was a very, very touching thing. And uh, th- these are two great countries, America and China, and, and getting along is critically important. And so there was, a, there was goodwill built during this baseball trip. So I think at the end of the day, it was the non-baseball aspect of the trip that I'll remember the most. Last question. It's been an interesting offseason for Major League Baseball. Uh, the Mitchell Report came out. We've seen players like Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, steroid discussions in the news. While that is going on, we still have record attendance at baseball parks. People are coming out to the baseball parks and in love with Major League Baseball. Give me your overall thought on the state of Major League Baseball, if you would. As healthy as it's ever been, as popular as it's ever been, and completely committed to, to ridding the game of steroids and all uh, performance-enhancing substances. It needs to be a game that's played fair and square. Uh, I think that the, the, the great numbers coming out to watch the game of baseball and, and, and the great numbers of fans participating is, is clear evidence of that. This game we're having at the Coliseum will have over 115,000 people, biggest crowd ever in the history of baseball, uh, they're there not because of you know steroids or this or that. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. They're, the fans want those that are responsible for making the rules and enforcing the rules to do just that. They want to go support their team, be there with their family, and enjoy themselves. And baseball provides an unparalleled experience in that regard. It's one of the great, great things that America has to offer where you can spend valuable, precious time with your family at the ballpark enjoying your hometown team. And, um, you know, baseball in America uh, is, is so much embedded in America's culture. It's, it's, it's a sport that uh, it, it's incumbent upon all of us who have the privilege of being involved in it to make sure that it's, it's operated at the very highest level uh, and, and we do what's in the best interest of the fans at all times because at the end of the day, it's the fans who own the sport. Mr. McCord, thanks so much for taking time to join me. Guests appearing during our Sports End segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Again, Mr. McCord, you're doing fantastic work, not only with your franchise, but also in the community with Think Cure. I congratulate you, and I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Appreciate your kind words, Brian. You have a great day. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. 
Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, Justin Timberlake is bringing sexy back to the ESPYs. Timberlake, the Grammy and Emmy winning singer and actor, will host the 16th annual ESPY Awards on July 20th. ESPN announced on Wednesday. Nathan, what do you think of that move? Oh, I think it's great, but I uh, I read your blog this week, and I think that you're right. Aaron Andrews should host it next year. How fun would that be? Yeah, I think they'd get some pretty good ratings, especially from the males. So the NBA this week has given us the mother of all jersey sales list. It's their 10-year anniversary, so they've given us the top 10 best-selling jerseys over the last 10 years. Here's the list. Number 10, Tim Duncan. 9, Vince Carter. 8, Jason Kidd. 7, Dwayne Wade. Six, Tracy McGrady. Five, Shaquille O'Neal. Four, LeBron James. Three, Allen Iverson. Two, Kobe Bryant. And number one, a guy who hasn't played for a few years, the king himself, Michael Jordan. No real surprises on that list, Nathan. Not at all, especially in the top three. The only guy that did surprise me that was missing, Yao Ming. Where's he? Oh, I don't know. Is that international jersey sales? Because I don't know if they're factoring in Asia over there. No, I think they are. It's all jersey sales all together. Lots of thank yous on our show. Los Angeles Dodgers owner Frank McCourt, Mark Kleinard from Adidas, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can also catch us on Apple's iTunes. I'm Brian Berger. It was great catching up with Frank McCourt this week, the owner of the Dodgers. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Malouf. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.